when I first started having conferences up there in rescue, I, I was thanked for my introductions, and then I was politely asked, please don't make them so long. Thank you for not making yours so long, brother. And yes, I believe I do know these folks here. Good to see every one of you. Doesn't matter whether I'm standing here before you or whether I'd be sitting there right with you in the pews. I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping with family tonight. What a joy that brings to my heart here. And I have to say this. I know your pastor read the... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's as good as it looks on TV. <laughs> I know your pastor read the letter for us for the dear saints up there in rescue. But for me, the generosity of God's people is just so overwhelming. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for your love for us in, in rescue. Thank you. I don't know who picked your song. Actually, yes, I do. That goes right along. What I, I told Kevin, I said, I've got four messages. I have no idea what I'm going to give. That was at 2 o'clock this afternoon. And uh, I didn't tell him what I was going to bring. And the Lord picked out this song, I Love to Tell the Story. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's all about. Preaching the gospel. I wonder at times if our loved ones who have sat under the preaching of the true gospel one time or another, whether visiting with us or, or even every Sunday, I wonder at times if they understand what it is for God to take your life. Take your life from this world and make you a servant of him. Your pastor won't say this, so I will. God grabbed a hold of that man and made him a servant. A servant who does just this, tells the story of Jesus Christ and his love for him. He took him out of that world where he was a very prosperous man. Took his family and took him to the wilderness of San Diego. So that God might use him to feed his sheep. See, we need fed, don't we? I was uh, talking with Cass over at his home the other day, and he said Pastor had thanked him for being so faithful. And I may not say it exactly how you said it, but I think they'll get the understanding of this. He told something back to the pastor. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I come because I need. I need to feed. I need to. I'm in the wilderness all week long. For three, week, three hours a week, I get to come out of that wilderness 
And I get to hear about my Lord who loves me, who's going to take care of me, who's going to provide everything I need to be with him for eternity. I'm not faithful, brother. John Reeves is in that same boat. I'm in the same ship. I'm fellers in the same ship with you. I need to hear the gospel. I heard Larry Chris here uh, the other day preaching there in rescue. Oh, man, I was telling telling Kevin this afternoon, I could easily, easily go back to sitting in that seat and just hearing the word of the Lord preach to me. (laughs) It's not easy being a pastor. It's a great joy and a great honor. And you you hear pastors say that, don't you? They come here and they they say, it's a great honor to be here. It is such an honor for me to be here. For that man back there to trust me enough to preach the gospel for you. He loves you with all his heart. Every one of you. His greatest desire is the desire of all of God's preachers is that God would call you out of the darkness that you once walked in, loving that darkness, and shine his light in your heart. The light of his love for his people. That love that grabs a hold of me. That grabs a hold of you. If you belong to him. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully and sweet. He had no idea you were gonna, what I'm going to preach on. Remember those words, folks. Remember those words. Turn to the book of Hebrews, if you would, please. I hope tonight there are some people here who have a troubled heart. I'm not hoping that you're going through trouble of family, family, maybe troubles with work. I'm not that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a troubled heart from within. Larry Chris put it this way. He said, he said, and he was quoting another pastor. I can't remember the pastor. He says, I'm looking for sinners to talk to tonight I want to talk tonight to those who are troubled with the sin within their own body if you're not troubled with your sin you can go to sleep if you want this isn't isn't a message for you but if you've got trouble if you're sitting there tonight thinking I don't know what to do I don't know where to turn I can't fix this on my own. May God bring you to your knees tonight to cry out for him. Lord, have mercy upon me. What is gospel preaching? How can one determine... A gospel preacher from someone who just talks. Well, the simplest answer to that is a man that's sent of God will preach one message and one message only. He preaches Jesus Christ, the Lord, and him crucified. 
That's gospel preaching in a nutshell. Are you with me in Hebrews chapter 1? Look with me, if you would, verses 1 through 3. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, that means at various different times and in different ways, different manners, he spake in times past unto the fathers, unto our fathers, by the prophets. This God, who at sundry times spoke in those ways, hath in these days, in verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. How do you tell a gospel preacher? This man who wrote these words, this man who was inspired by God Almighty through the Spirit of God to pen these words, preached the gospel in three verses. God made his son to sit on the throne of all glory in heaven after he had purged the sins of all of his people. I asked you if you were sitting here tonight and if you were troubled with these thoughts, I don't know what to do. Turn to the one who does. Turn to Christ Jesus, the one who has purged his peoples, the sins of his people. Now turn over, if you would, to 1 John. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, John. John chapter 1. I'm setting the table. I want to answer to you, to you tonight that question. How can you tell if a man who is standing in a pulpit is a gospel preacher, a gospel preacher of God's true word. Folks, there's a lot of people who stand in pulpits all over the world who say they're preachers, who say they're gospel preachers, and they'll stand up there and they'll tell the people things that tickle their ears. They'll have big old bands playing in the background behind them. They'll have big old TVs for uh, people to read their Bibles off the TV. They'll have music going in the background when they get real low and they talk real low to you. You know, they figured out a long time ago that if you play the right kind of music, you can make a man cry. Go all the way back to that movie they called Old Yeller. Uh, was it Old Yeller? Was that the name of it? Yeah. They figured out then that you can make a full-grown man cry off the music because they played it once Without the music, the dog dying, and they played the other time with the dog dying and the music, everybody cried when the music played. You think churches aren't smart enough to figure that kind of stuff out too? Whatever it takes to get people in the pews is their motto. The more we can get here, the more money we can generate. They think they can do more good with it. Not everybody preaches the gospel. But God's, God's servants do. 
God's servants do. Sometimes us pastors have to remind each other. Brother, I've never heard a bad message from him, ever. And I've listened to a lot of his messages, not as much as you folks, but I've never heard him preach anything outside the gospel. Here in John chapter 1, we saw back in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 how Christ was exalted. Christ was portrayed. Christ was brought out in what he was and who he was and what he had done and where he was now. Here in John chapter 1, we read in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see that Jesus Christ being lifted up here before us as the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now we know we're talking about Christ here, because over in verse 14 it says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. Verse 2, we read back in, back in verse 2 there, it says, The same was in the beginning with God. And then it tells us exactly what it told us there a moment ago in Hebrews. It says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So we see the Lord Jesus Christ as sovereign God Almighty. Three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yes. But when you've seen Christ, you have seen God the Father. That's what he told his disciples. When you've seen me, you have seen my Father. Verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Oh, it throws in a little more here now into this gospel preaching, doesn't it? The message of the gospel. Mankind in our darkness in the days before the light was shined in the hearts of his people, in the day before the Lord came to us in his love, in his power, and shined his light in our hearts, we walked in darkness. We didn't know who the Lord was. We didn't care. Let's look at another one, if you would. Turn over to Luke, Luke chapter 24. We're talking about gospel preachers. We're bringing out how, how do we tell the difference? How can we tell the difference between one who is standing before people declaring the truth of Christ and one who's just up there babbling? In Luke chapter 24, if you look with me at verse 27... Our Lord had been walking with two men on the road to Emmaus. He had been talking with two of his disciples that didn't even know him. Though they were disciples of his, they didn't know him, for he held his presence, who he, who he was. He withheld his presence from them. And after hearing them complain about Christ, the death of Christ, and and how we thought he was going to be the, the new king to sit on his throne and, and save us from the Romans. And now he's dead. What a sad thing. They, they couldn't see the truth of why Christ came. The death of Christ had not been placed upon their hearts as something of salvation yet. 
Many people hear about the death of Christ. Even Muslims have heard about the death of Christ. But until the Lord shows you why he died, until he opens your heart to know why he died and who he died for, it was just an event. He says, oh, in verse 25, then he said unto them, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You know the word that I have posted. You know the word that I spoke in, in, in the Old Testament of the prophets, too, that we just read about in, in, in Hebrews. You know those words. You're slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then he did this. He did this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now look over at verses 44 and 47. Gospel preachers, men who are sent of God, those who are servants of God to preach their the word of, of to preach his word, when they are sent out and cross paths with one of God's sheep, one of those who he has says, My sheep will hear my voice. This is the result of that. Look with me, if you would, over at verse 44. And he said unto him, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, yet all things must be fulfilled, which were written of the law in Moses, of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding. I want to stop there for just a moment. You've heard me build up your pastor here tonight. And he knows in his heart what I mean by that. I'm not saying something to puff up his head. One of the hardest things to being a pastor, to being a preacher, is knowing this, that when we stand before you, we stand in the weakness of our flesh. I can't talk you into salvation. What you hear from these words of this foul mouth that stands before you can't talk you into salvation. It must be from God. He must speak to your hearts. Well, how do I know if he's grabbing a hold of my heart? You'll know. You will know. There will be no doubt in your mind that something is happening. You may not understand it completely, but you'll know something's going on. Then opened he their understanding, and that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is behooved, Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. How can we tell? How can we tell if the man standing before us is a man of God? In John, 6, John 5, verse 39, we read these words, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Have you ever been to an Armenian church? I, I'm not trying to suggest that you should. But if you're a child of God, it's not going to hurt you. And if you've never heard someone just up there babbling, 
You can actually tune in to TV and probably hear it there and just as well. You can tune in on the radio somewhere. They're babblers. They're, they're, like, they're like those guys on Saturday Night Live, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, oh, I can't remember the smaller guy. We want to pump you up. They want to build you up. You can do it. You can be better if you just do this. You can be a better person if you just do this. Or they'll, you know, we raised so much money for our church, we, we were able to buy an ambulance. And they'll spend a whole hour telling about what the kids did at the church to raise the money so that they could go out and buy an ambulance for a poor city down in Mexico. That's a great thing. I'm glad they did, but that's not gospel preaching. That's not what we're put here in this pulpit to do. That's not what God's messengers do. We don't build up mankind. We don't want to puff you up. That's why it's so difficult to stand here before people and talk about this, knowing that I'm a sinner just as you are. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I need Christ just as much as you do. I need to hear the word of God. I need to be in the word of God just as much as you do. I need to get away from that valley of shadow of death that I have to walk through every day for the week and come somewhere where I can gather with God's people and hear about the one who loves us and gave himself for us and shed his own blood for us. I was asked to listen to a message and I did. Is every drop of my energy to keep from turning it off. But I told the brother that I would listen, and I did. And the man who, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. But the man that some say is a gospel preacher stood there for an hour and spoke about nothing but to be quite honest with you, God's love. Wait a minute, John. Isn't that what you just said the gospel was? Yes and no. You can stand here and say God loves you and talk about what people think is God's love for the, for the men of this world, for people who are of this world. But if you don't tell them what God did, if you don't tell them who God did it for, if you don't tell them what the results of what God did, and if you don't tell them where God is right now, then you haven't preached the gospel. That's all there is to it. The gospel is Christ and him crucified. Well, that's the love of God, yes. But if you're just going to sit there and talk about, well, by God's love, he sent the son to the cross and he died for the whole world, He's waiting for you to come to him. That's not, that's not the Christ of scriptures. That's not the love of God. That's the love of man and making a decision for Christ. And folks, if we're left to ourselves, our decision will be to walk on that path to damnation. That's our nature. I read some literature. And in that, in that article, 
That man mentioned the word Jesus one time in the whole article, and not once was it about him crucified. Not once was it about his blood being shed. Not once was it about what he had done for his people. I thought to myself, where was the hope? Where was Christ in that message? Was this man a true gospel preacher? We went to a service one time for a man who died. He was a faithful brother in Christ. He was there every Sunday, every Wednesday. He was at every Sunday. His wife was not. His wife went to an Armenian church down the street. Guess where his services were held at when he died? At the Armenian church. So the whole church of rescue went down to that other church that one day. And we were sitting around afterwards. We, could, we didn't even stay to, to have fellowship with anybody there. We couldn't. We went down, we went, come back to the church afterwards, and we were sitting around, and folks started saying, well, everything that guy said was right. Everything he said was of Scripture. And Pastor Gene said to us, he goes, did you notice he didn't say anything about Christ's death for you? Oh. Wow. Even those who are God's elect could have been deceived sitting under that message. What was wrong with that message? There was nothing wrong with him. Yes, it was. It wasn't what he said. It was what he did not say. He did not bring out the gospel. He did not preach about our Savior. Look over at John chapter 3, verse 14. Look over at John chapter 3, verse 14. No, not 13, 3. This is the gospel message, folks. Right here in one verse. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's as simple as it gets right there. Is that not what you would call the gospel? Isn't that what you would call the good news? Is that not what a poor sinner needs to hear? Do we not need salvation? Folks, I'm bitten. I am bitten. The poison is in my blood, and it reaches to every point of my body. Every drop of my soul is plagued with my sin. I have no hope in myself. I have no confidence in what I can do. I have no confidence in my thoughts. Because I know my thoughts are plagued with the sin of this flesh. We can't trust our flesh, Tim. Not one bit of it. Not even our thoughts. I got no hope in myself. That's not what the preachers of this world are teaching. You can do better. You can be a better person if you'll just give more money to the pot of the, of the church. If you'll just go down and feed the poor. If you'll just do this. If you'll get into the baptismal, you'll do better. Not this sinner. I need something. I need a savior. Do you? I'm not here to figure out how good I can be. 
For I know in this flesh dwelleth knoweth, dwelleth no good thing. Paul knew that. He said in Romans seven eighteen, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, that is, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. In this flesh I carry the mark of the beast, 666. You know what that is? That's the, short, that's the number short of perfection. Perfection is 777. God perfected everything in seven days. 666 is always coming up short of perfection. That's me. I will always, no matter how good I think I do anything, I will always come up short of perfection. And God requires perfection from us. Be ye holy, for I am holy. I was thinking about this one time. You know, we take the scriptures, and God gives us a lot of instructions in there, doesn't it? Doesn't he? And, and I, I know people who say, John, you just you don't spend enough time on the instructions of God. Well, that might be true. That might be true. When I'm talking about instructions and God's word and how he instructs his people, because he does through his word, there's plenty there for us to instruct on. There's one thing that comes to mind every time I read something about the instructions of God. I can't do it. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say you can't be responsible. We are responsible for our actions. I'm just saying that I have, I have no way to perform whatever God has instructed me to do. I have no way to perform it to his expectation. That's why he looks to his son instead of looking to me. His son performed everything perfectly. Everything he did satisfied his father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, he said about his son. Our God requires perfection, and a gospel preacher speaks of the only perfection that ever walked this earth, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. He is the good news. He is the gospel. Consider with me an example, if you would, that we've been given over in Luke chapter 4. Turn over to Luke chapter 4, if you would. Consider this example with me, if you would, in Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there he went out in fame of him through all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was. Did you catch that? And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. And there was, a and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophets, Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. 
greatest preacher that ever walked this earth. And what did he do? He preached the gospel to the poor, to those who have no confidence in themselves, to those who have come up against the wall of, I can't do anything for myself. I'm, I'm destitute. I have nothing before a thrice holy God. I have nothing to stand before him. What can I do, Lord? Hear the gospel. Be given ears to hear the gospel. Even if it's the first time. Even if it's the first time and you've never heard it before. Are you poor in spirit tonight? Has God made you poor? This is the importance of preaching the gospel to men like Kevin and myself and others. This is more important than anything else we could be doing in the world. Folks, we're all going to go through that door marked death. The worst thing we could do, the worst thing we have done to the generation of, to my generation, is to try to protect our children from what death is. I hope I didn't just scare your kids. And I hope that you may go home sometime here soon and teach them what death really is. Folks, we have erred greatly in our generation. Death is coming to all of us. None of us will live forever. I hope these young folks get to live a long, long life. But it's not guaranteed for any of us, is it? We need to teach our kids. We need to teach our young. The day is coming when you're going to meet God. Are you poor in spirit? Our Lord preached to the poor. He sent them. He hath sent me, he says, to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. And gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day, here's the, here's the gospel. <laughs> Here it is. This day, he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they knew what he was talking about. They knew they, he was talking about himself. Now I'd like to ask you to turn over the book of Acts, chapter 7, 17. Acts, chapter 17. I won't be much longer. Our Lord, the greatest preacher to ever walk this earth, preached himself in fulfilling the words of Moses and all the prophets. Everything in God's word points to him and God's messengers do the same. Are you with me in Acts chapter 17? Look at verses 2 and 3 with me. And Paul, as his manner was. We just read. Our Lord, what was he doing? He was doing what he customarily did. That means that he was doing the same thing he did all the time. 
It wasn't just one time. The Lord didn't just go into one of the synagogues. He went into the synagogues all the time. That's what his customary was. It was customary for him to do that. Paul, the same thing. Kevin Thacker, the same thing. Frank Tate, the same thing. Henry Mahan, the same thing. God helped John Reeves to be the same thing. That's all I want to ever say. I want to tell the story. I want to tell the old, old story that has been told since the beginning of time, since God created the world. Men have sinned and deserve the wrath of God. And because God has loved some who he has loved with an eternal love, he sent his son to take the wrath for us, to shed his blood so that he wouldn't have to shed ours. When we go through that door marked death, the death for this body will be with him in paradise from that time on. I see smiles because we know the grace of what God has done for us, don't we? And Paul, as his manner was, went and unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs. Did you notice this? Are you catching this? What's he preaching? Same thing I said a few moments ago in the beginning of this message. He's preaching Christ and him crucified. Christ must needs. He must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that is that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Now, if you would turn over or actually just go back to the next chapter, chapter 16, and look with me at verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Here's the results. This is, this, is a perf this is a wonderful picture of the, of the message of Christ and him crucified and what it does for his people. And at, the, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. <laughs> Remember what I said at the moment at the beginning? I said, Kevin didn't know what I was going to preach. You see how God worked that out? This is God working something out right here, folks. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were closed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. You know, that was their custom. He was put in charge. He knew that if he didn't take his own life, the king probably would. You let them go? That was the custom in those days. You give charge to somebody, you don't give up on that charge. It's there. He thought they had gotten out. He would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fed. But look at here what God's people did. They cried out and with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Don't bring harm on yourself. There's no need. We're right here. We're singing praises to our Lord. We're right where the Lord would have us to be. Did you know you're right where the Lord would have you to be tonight? Each and every one of us. Even those who may not know the Lord yet. Someday I pray there'll be those who can look back and say, wow, I was hearing about the Lord then. 
Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. What was it? What is it that we must believe? My title comes from the 17th chapter of Acts, verse 2, where it says, As his manner was. The gospel is what God uses to save his chosen people. The gospel is what the Spirit uses to reveal who Christ is. It says to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in there in verse 31, What must I do? He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on who he is. Do you believe that it's God in the flesh, that he was manifest in the flesh and walked this earth? Well, then thank God, because you didn't before. What made us to differ? Do you believe that Christ walked perfectly in everything that he did, establishing a perfect righteousness that you and I could never establish, the righteousness that we need to be before God Almighty? Do you believe the Lord Jesus Christ and where he is now? Do you believe that death could not hold him? He's the God of death. He's the God of hell. He's sovereign God of everything, including our will. Aren't you thankful that in the day of his power, he made us willing to hear him, to make us love him because he first loved us? Do you believe? What must I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Verse 32, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord. We recently were doing a Bible study of John the Baptist. Actually, no, I believe it's a message, a series of messages that I'm bringing from from a. Um, the book of Luke, and we're, we were looking at John the Baptist. You know what John the Baptist went about preaching? He went about preaching the way of the Lord. <laughs> Not the way of man, the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is this. We are saved by grace through faith, belief in our Savior, not of works, lest man should boast. And I know, I know that if you give me one inch, I'll start boasting. That's how weak I am. And he took them the same hour of the night, of the night washed their stripes and baptized, and was baptized and he and all of us straight away. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all the house. Is practical godliness important? Absolutely. The instructions of God is just as important as everything else. When we come together to search God's words for instructions on Friday night and again in our 10 o'clock study on Sunday morning, yet practical godliness alone is just works. It has to have grace. I'm so thankful my pastor pounded that into me and pounded that into me and pounded that into me. 
Without grace, it's just works. There's no satisfaction in what I do in the flesh to me. Practical godliness alone is nothing but works. Without the gospel, then it's all man's works, and there's no satisfaction in our walk with God. Satisfaction with God is only in our substitute, Christ Jesus the Lord. We read in Matthew 17, 5, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of that cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. A gospel preacher cannot waste time talking about just God's love, just heaven, or just hell, and not bring out who Christ is, what he has done, and where he is right now. If you speak of God's love and you leave out what he did in sending his son to die for those that he loves, you have missed the good news. You have missed the gospel. You're not a gospel preacher. Every word that came from the greatest gospel preacher that ever walked this earth was a gospel message of himself. Christ expounded in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself as we read in Luke 24, 27. You might ask, well, what about all the instructions? Of all that our Lord has given us in instructions, not one thing can I do in an acceptable way. The gospel in that to me, is this. My Lord has fulfilled it all for me. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. Brother? Brother?